This week's episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra is sponsored by Midwest Action. Midwest Action is a record and tape label as well as a blog based here in our hometown of Chicago. Midwest Action showcases the best and brightest in the Midwestern music scene, covering genres of all types, from lo-fi garage rock to hip-hop, psychedelic rock, and more. Their newest release, Lullabies for the Restless by Harvey Fox, is available now. You can find Lullabies for the Restless on Harvey Fox's Bandcamp. Also on November 9th, Rogue Satellites will be releasing their new EP, Baby I'm Jeff. For more info on these releases, you can head to MidwestAXN.com or search MidwestAXN on Bandcamp. Midwest Action. Listen local. Canvas Ultra episode 12. This is Dan Fioria. And this is Michael Lane. Welcome everybody. In this week's episode, we're going to be doing a double tap of our own, talking about the first Zombieland from 2009, and 10 years later, Zombieland 2 Double Tap, which just came out this past Thursday. Yep. It's almost like we're doing a little sneak peek into next month's 2009 uh, month extravaganza, yeah. looking back on Zombieland. It just happened to coincide with the release of Zombieland 2. I know, we're getting started on it early. It's yeah. pretty great. And Michael and I both re-watched the first one you know, in preparation for watching the new one, and it just seemed fitting. It oh, just yeah. seemed very fitting to talk about them both on the same episode. Mm-hmm. And also, this week I'm going to be taking a little trip. Uh, on Thursday I'm going to be going to New York, and I figured what better way to celebrate this than to talk about Basically, our top 10 favorite albums from New York artists. We're going to be doing a countdown just in preparation in honor of my trip that I'm very excited for. Music has played a very big influence in me wanting to go and visit New York, so figured what a great, what better a topic to talk about on this week's episode and than that. Just what a large number of artists to pick from. It's, it's insane. It's a lot to pick from, and we, I think we both have a great you know, great number of artists that we're going to be highlighting today, so. Exactly. Too much, pretty, like, it's, yeah, it was really hard kind of coming up with that. We're not going to be ranking it in any way, we're just going to be talking, yeah. just, you know, talking about our favorites, keeping it, you know, one album per artist, so keeping it fair and just giving a great representation of a incredible music city. Yeah. And then we're also going to be touching down on some news, and you know the drill, you know how we do it, Infinite Canvas Ultra Episode 12. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of Infinite Canvas Ultra. How you been, Michael? Um, I've been good up until last night when I uh, started feeling pretty sick. I have a sore throat, um, and I woke up this morning feeling uh, genuinely pretty awful. I wasn't even sure if we were going to be able to record today or not. But uh, here I am, I'm feeling much better, so yeah, I'm going to say I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Doing alright, I'm doing alright. That's always the worst. It's like when we recorded the Joker episode, I was kind of in that same boat. I had to yeah. go to work earlier that day, and then, yeah, we were recording, I just was like super drained and yeah. out of it, but... Took some medicine, my girlfriend's been taking care of me today, even though she's kind of sick herself, but um, yeah, no, I'm feeling much better. I got you. Hopefully ready to, ready to talk about some music in Zombieland and whatnot. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll be on the men soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, doing well myself. Some very interesting news this week, and yeah. a subject that we've been talking about 
pretty frequently on the show, and that is Matthew Reeves' The Batman. Mm. Got some big casting news this week. Lots of casting news. Both uh, people actually in the roles and some people just off the table in terms of them being in the movie. So it should come as no surprise to anybody listening that Jonah Hill is just, he's out. He's out of the game. He is no longer going to be in the movie. Um, which is completely understandable considering he was asking for a bigger paycheck than is the that, actual is that what star it is? of the movie. Is, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, he was asking, asking for... Asking for more than Robert Pattinson? Yes. Really? That was his stipulation for being wow. in the movie, which is insane. Hmm. It's absolutely crazy. I like Jonah Hill a lot, but that is pretty, that is pretty crazy. Yeah. He's also not... I don't know. I guess, I guess he's a bigger actor than Robert Pattinson, but... Yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> it's insane. And it just, I don't know, it, it kind of confirms a lot about how I've, I've, I've always had like a sneaking suspicion that Jonah Hill is kind of a piece of shit. Like a D-bag? Yeah, and that just sort of confirms a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of speculation was that he was possibly going to be playing the Riddler. Um, right. Some people think that maybe he was going to play the Penguin, but mm-hmm. I think that it was more than likely going to be the Riddler in yeah. this film. Especially with, you know, confirmation for who's actually playing the role, which, you know, if you don't want me to spoil it, but um, Jonah, Hill, Jonah Hill, you know, his offer went off the table, and literally, I think it was like the next day. The day after. Like literally the day after uh, they signed Paul Dano. Paul Dano? I think it's Dano. Dano? Paul yeah. Dano? They signed him on to, to take on the role of the Riddler, which is honestly... That's really great casting. I'm thrilled about it. Yeah. He's a perfect choice for that character. Yeah, Paul Dano... Absolutely perfect. ...is such an underrated actor. He's he really is. Seriously, he might be one of the best, like, young actors of our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's not, he doesn't really have too much of a chance to, like, really shine as a... Uh, like a focal point of a movie. Right. Um, Swiss Army Man being a, a sort of... Um, uh, exception to that rule, but like, Definitely. you know, in, in terms of like, there will be blood. He was the, you know, the the secondary actor, and uh, Little Miss Sunshine. He was a smaller role. Exactly, and um, then uh, I mean, you can also kind of say for the uh, Brian Wilson biopic, Love and Mercy. Oh, yeah. He was like where he played younger Brian Wilson, but he still had John Cusack. Yeah, it was still which kind was of like, like a much half. bigger name yeah. playing the older, uh, later career Brian mm-hmm. Wilson. He's always been good though. Always. Paul Dano is always amazing in every role. I love him. And I think just with this casting for the Riddler, I think that he's going to bring just a certain intensity to yeah. it that you see in pretty much all of his roles. But I think him getting the chance to shine as an actual villain, and allegedly, from what I've heard about the Batman, um, the Riddler is supposed to be the main villain. Good. So that's Good. just incredible. I really love that. Yeah. Well, there might be other villains, though, right? With, yeah. Uh, Zoe Kravitz as the other big uh, announcement this week. We uh, have our Catwoman, yeah. the new Catwoman, and Which, I'm thrilled with that. You know, is she a villain? Is she going to be a more heroic, you know, uh, you know, uh, more sidekick kind of character? Like, what's going to be the, the, the outcome for that character? But either way, I'm super excited. Yeah, I feel like she's going to kind of have a role sort of akin to how she's been written in the comics for, yeah. like bordering on 30 years now where she's just sort of this anti-hero kind of 
confidant, but like still somebody that Batman can't a hundred percent trust mm-hmm. type character right. and I think that's super exciting. Yeah. Just the casting for this film in general I think has just been so perfect. I can't wait to see whatever else comes from this next. <laughs> I mean it's it's amazing. Yeah it's and it's just surprising too because it's it's been a lot of it's been a lot of things where when I hear who they have picked for the film it's sort of a thing where it's like, oh, I didn't really even think about that. Mm-hmm. And then it just, once but I it hear it, I've heard it announced, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. incredible. I mean, Jeffrey Wright is Jeffrey Richard Wright Gordon. For, yep. It's just going to say. Need we say more about Robert Pattinson being Batman? Like, it's great. I, I, I hear you it. were uh, watching Good Time again this morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, for our weekly mentioning of good time uh but yeah no robert pattinson is there's, a... there's been a lot of robert pattinson that i've been seeing recently so it made me want to rewatch yeah. good time um another bit of news uh the lighthouse has its you know sort of small select mm-hmm. cities release this week hopefully this we're gonna week, yeah, yeah we're, it's gonna get a wider release um next friday yeah so we'll hopefully be able to catch that mm-hmm. i'm um, super excited for that um, unfortunately, Dan will be out of town. He'll be in New York for that, but um, you might be able to see JoJo, right? Yeah, I'm actually I'm gonna make an effort. There's a theater that is so I'm gonna be staying in Brooklyn while I'm in New York. Um, there is a theater that's like a nine minute walk away from the apartment that I'm staying mm-hmm. at that's showing JoJo Rabbit. So I'm definitely gonna try to definitely gonna try one. to catch that one there yeah. if I have time and. Uh, that's definitely something I'm looking forward to talking about on the show. Both those movies, definitely. we're we're getting. It's exciting that we're getting to the point where the majority of the movies that I'm most excited to see for this year are coming out. Coming out, yeah, lots and lots of good movies coming out, and lots of big games coming out too. Yeah. Um, this week, uh, Modern Warfare comes out, and uh, The Outer Worlds. But I actually wanted to talk a little bit about one that I've been playing recently that came out last week. Uh, called Return of the Obra Dinn, mm-hmm. uh, which Dan actually, I was playing it as Dan walked in today into our studio. Um, uh, this is a game, it came. It actually came out, and again, it's called Return of the Obra Dinn. It came out last year, last October, on PC, mm-hmm. and it had like all this critical acclaim. It was like, you know, belo- like, really a beloved game, um, and it just came out on Switch, PS4, and Xbox One this past week actually on the uh, year anniversary of its original release. And so Return oh, of the Over been out for a year already? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It had been it had been knocking around for a while and I've been I actually I kinda of forgot about it, uh, just because it, it had been so long and I don't really have a great PC uh, to play games. So I I was waiting for it to come out to, to consoles and it, it I, I saw it the other day on, on on the Switch's eShop and I was like, Oh yeah, fuck, Return of the Over Din's out. Mm-hmm. Um and Return of the Oberdin is a game by Lucas Pope, who uh, listeners may know uh, as the creator of this game called Papers, Please, uh, which came out probably about five years ago, which was another critical indie darling. You know, had a lot of Game of the Year awards that year. It was this really uh, kind of special, unique indie game. Right. And Return of the Oberdin is a another, you know, just in that kind of same uh, landscape where it's, uh, a totally different game, and it, it's it's its own unique thing. And you're playing as this. Um, well, basically, the premise of the game is you're you're this character who boards the Oberdin, which was a was a ghost ship uh, in the early 1800s, 
Uh, and you're you're kind of uh, you're with the company that the ship was originally sent from, um, and you're trying to figure out what happened on the ship because like it like I said it was a ghost ship and none of no one knows what happened to any of the crew. There were like sixty crew members, mm-hmm. um, and so you're trying to assess what happened. And you do that by uh, literally, you know, walking around the ship, and you have this compass, or, or not, 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 com- not a compass, it's a, like a stopwatch, basically, where you find characters' bones, this is like how the game starts out, you find like a character's bones, and you take out the, the stopwatch, and you're able to click into a memory, basically, of what happened, like a, like a freeze frame of what happened yeah. to that person. And um, you're really just trying to pinpoint um, characters uh, to their, you know, you, you have like this ship log that has every person, all 60 crew members, um, it has pictures of them, and you're trying to figure out who is who, and like try to parse that together, and how they got killed, who they were killed by, and it's a super interesting game where you're just like going through and you're parsing, parsing out, you know, all these characters, and you get little snippets of dialogue that kind of give you hints to who pe- who people are. But really, it's a lot of, and I, I've only played a couple hours, and I, I hear it's a, it's a, you know, it's like ten hours long. And I've only I've only gotten like a, a fifth of the way in, mm-hmm. but um, you're you're trying to figure out like who all these characters are, looking through these vignettes. Um, and it's just been a super interesting game. It has a really great art style. It's like very, um, it's like an old like Macintosh game, like early eighties, yeah. like Commodore, like you know. It looks incredible, and weirdly, for some reason, um, the style that you were playing in when I got here today, right. what was that? The Macintosh. No, so actually the game allows you to choose between a bunch of different, uh, like a handful of different art styles. So it is, it's a two color game. Yeah. Like it's almost like a Game Boy game, you know, like where it was like, like an original Game Boy, which was like just green and, and white or whatever, green and black. Mm-hmm. Um, Oberdin is very much like that. And the Macintosh is like a green tint with white and black. Uh, the one that I was playing on, I, I don't know the name of it, but it's a it's like a gray tone, so it's almost it's basically black and white. It, it, yeah, and it give you, they give you a different a, a bunch of different ones to choose from, but that one, the one that I go with, like the gray tone one, is is the most pleasant on the eyes. And for some reason, like just for listeners, just to make an idea of like how this big picture of this game looks like. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, it is definitely you know harkening back to like you know older forms of technology right. and older you know. Uh, ways of playing video games, older systems, but for some reason that style you were playing it just has it just reeks of this like graphic novel, like mm-hmm. almost manga esque style, sure. where it's you're getting this you know very large focus on screen and everything is highly detailed. Right. But it, lo- it reminds me so much of like a black and white comic book, mm-hmm. and it just looks so amazing. Definitely, it's so, so detailed and just great. Yeah, so like again, it, it it harkens back to this old age of video games where everything was very you know like these one bit games basically, where it was just like very uh, limited use of colors and pixels and everything, but. The game is 3D, you are in the 3D space, and it's like first person, you're looking through the eyes of your, your character, mm-hmm. and you're walking around the ship, and, and uh, you know, every time, say you find like the, the bones of a, of a body, 
um, and you, you click through the, the memory. So it, every single memory starts out with a bit of dialogue mm-hmm. um, or some kind of uh, oral, uh, you know, vignette. And then it once that's done, it's like usually like, you know, 15 to 30 seconds of, of dialogue. And then it clicks into the scene and you're you're transported to what happened in that scene and everything is freeze frame so you're able to walk through the space and look at like okay so this is what happened to this guy he's currently being stabbed or shot or whatever and then you can walk around and see like how everyone else is reacting um you can zoom in on characters and it it's a really it's super cool effect so in you have like this book with you that fills in as you get more um as you see more vignettes and and they have the chapters marked so like there's like 10 chapters of the book and it actually starts at the end right like the first the first part of this game is like you seeing the end of the the captain or like the the ship's log um and you're you're filling in what happened previously but it it really skips around so it's like chapter 10 then chapter 6 then 2 and it, it really skips around um but you're able to zoom in on characters at any time when you're in these vignettes and it'll show the like, you'll zoom in on them, and on the background of them, it'll fill in the picture that you have of the crew. Like, yeah. this painting, or, like, this drawing that was done by one of the crew members. And it'll it'll show you which character they are in that picture, because you're trying to, you know, again, you're trying to... You're looking at the, 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 the art of the, the crew members, like, the, the drawings, and you're trying to connect them with the characters that are have in these vignettes. Um... Right. It's such an interesting game. It's so it great. Really, and it's all made by, like I said, it's Lucas Pope, and I clicked. Th- we clicked through the um, the credits today, and he he was credited as like developing idea, story, uh, music, like literally everything. He basically made yeah, this game all by himself. Just the epitome of a, an indie game. It's, yeah, it's really crazy. And, and I definitely, when I get back from my vacation, I'm gonna look into buying. Yeah, because it's. Everything that I saw of it today, it just looks so great. Yeah, and it's seriously nothing else like it. It's it's kind of hard to describe because I've never like it's literally just like nothing else. But it really is putting together this really fantastic story. I love the setting. You're literally just at least from what I've seen so far, you're literally just on this one ship and just walking around and like I keep getting like new little parts of the ship, like the lower decks and um, it ends up be becoming like even more grand in scope and scale with like there might be like creatures aboard the ship and like all this crazy stuff that's that like supernatural kind of stuff that happened and the game is just so so cool and it, it really it's hard to even like stop playing because they really yeah. just they lead you on like such a great path like every time you find a character who died um, the way you get to the next one is you're, you hit the stopwatch again and it, it shows you the, another person. Basically every scene has like, always has like two dead characters. It's like the one that you found first and then like another one that died before them. Right. So you're like, you're always like being shown this path and it's really hard to actually stop, uh, just cause it's such an interesting game. Uh, I really recommend it to anybody um, especially if you're looking for something different. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to keep playing through and, and, you know, get really down and dirty with it. Cause right now I've like really just been kind of, you know, going straight line, you know, it, I'm at a point where it's really hard to 
uh, really connect what characters are to their names and everything. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure, like, once I get deeper in, you know, th- stuff will begin to uh, become clearer, and, like, then the real puzzle will, will really open, and I'm really excited for that. Absolutely. And, yeah, like I said, it's out on everything now. It's on Switch, it's on PS4, it's on Xbox One. It's 20 bucks. It seems totally worth all your money. Absolutely. I, I can't speak highly of it enough, having only played, like, two hours. Go pick it up, especially considering that the, you know, main creative force behind this game handled the brunt of the work. Yeah. To yeah. say the least, did everything. I mean, and, go support that. And again, Absolutely. The, the, you know, the score, too, is phenomenal. It's like great. This, the fact that this one man was able to make this entire game, uh, it's really something special absolutely and will probably be in my top 10 of this year if i had to had to guess but uh yeah that's what i got absolutely one little bit of news um i want to talk about before we go into the next segment of our episode frank ocean is back he just put out a new single last night um about a week ago in new york he had this uh just sort of like event that he was holding it was like this club night thing where there were a bunch of djs he dj'd and ended up playing um two tracks that are supposed to be from his forthcoming record um allegedly this new album that he is going to be putting out don't know when yet but it's it's in the works it's supposed to be a more chicago detroit club like house inspired record which is very interesting uh my interest is super peaked i can't even imagine what he's going to be doing with that kind of style but um but still doing vocals it's not like a yeah 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 it's not just gonna be a straight up like electronica record but uh music like the music is going to be kind of inspired by those genres which is really cool um he played two tracks at the event you could find audio of it on youtube um but he actually released a proper single on his blonded radio show called dhl last night Mm -hmm. and Listen to it a couple times. I'm liking it. It definitely yeah. doesn't have. I don't really get any elements of those styles in that song, mm-hmm. and I will be very curious to hear if or see if that's even actually on the album once it gets released. But yeah. I'm digging it. Definitely yeah. want to shout that out. I'm super excited to see him back. Frank Ocean is one of my favorite artists, just in music right now in general. Mm-hmm. And I would go as far as to say probably of all time. Huh? So I'm very excited. Really loving the new single. So if you're in him, if you're potentially unaware that that even came out, which I highly <laughs> doubt, because if you're somebody that is a fan of Frank Ocean, he has such a cult-like fan base that really never misses out on any of that. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't, if you weren't aware that I was out, go stream DHL. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. Let us know what you think about it. You can always get it at us at. Uh, What's the email again? Infinitecanvasalt <laughs> at gmail.com. There you right? go. It is. That sounds right. It is. Or tweet at us at ICUltrapod. Yes. And yeah, we're going to take a short little break. When we get back, we're going, Michael and I are going to be counting down our top 10 favorite New York albums. Mm-hmm. See you soon. Welcome back, everybody, to Infinite Canvas Ultra episode 12. So this week, I'm going to be going on vacation. I'm going to New York City. It's going to be awesome. Uh, My first time going there ever, which will be pretty cool. Definitely plan on having an extended weekend of going to some record stores that are out there that I've always wanted to go to, such as Rough Trade, Captured Tracks. 
Um, I'm actually a nine minute walk away from this really awesome comic book store that I've always mm-hmm. wanted to go to called Forbidden Planet. So I'm definitely going to be checking that out. We spend a lot of money doing as much touristy <laughs> stuff as I possibly can. But it's funny how that all works out, how you're that close to like comic shop, there's like all these different record labels and everything out there that you're super interested in. It's really insane. It's uh definitely I mean it's yeah, it's something that I've always wanted to do yeah. and I'm really glad that I'm able to, you know, just cross it off my bucket list, experience that. Um, really become embedded in the New York scene for a week. Exactly. And it's awesome. funny it's funny that you bring up the New York scene because I figured what better way to just honor my trip that I'm going on this week than for us to talk about 10 of our favorite albums by New York artists. Because I'm not even going to lie, music is a big reason as to why I even want to go to New Mm -hmm. York. There's been so many important albums that have come out from that city by artists that I really love. Honestly, like some of the stuff on this list is worthy of being in my top 10 favorite albums of all time wow. so yeah it's a big inspiration Same. for me and it's something that i just i needed to check out and i needed to just you know cross off my bucket yeah. list and get done so That's awesome i'm excited to do this this is incredibly hard to do this is not going to be ranked in any order it's just basically us <laughs> going to be would be way too hard to rank them yeah way too hard we're just going to be going you know one two three four and just talking about 10 albums that we really love that came out from the Big Apple. Yeah. So, I'm excited. You ready for this? Oh, yeah. You want to start, or you want me to start? Oh, uh, I'm going to pass it over to you. All right, yeah. What's your first choice for your uh, great New York record? My first one, and I I, I liked, I kind of did my list, and I, I have some big ones here, but I also wanted to pick some, some of the more, uh, maybe not the most quintessential album from some of these bands or, the, or artists. Um, so I went with Ramon's Rocket to Russia. I Which knew I don't know. you were is, gonna pick it. Is that is that the quintessential one? I guess their their quintessential would just be their their self titled, right? So I've always felt with Ramones fans and just people who like the Ramones, I feel like the majority of people would say the first one yeah. is, but I feel like real music fans know that Rocket Smart to Russia choice. is the better choice. Rocket to Russia the album. is just such a fun. It's just like front to back, just like balls to the wall just like it's just it's i think it's just you know the ramones at their best absolutely and i'm not a huge ramones fan but like um you know their first few albums and especially rocket to russia is just like such a great listen just such a fun listen uh yeah i love rocket to russia 100 percent, especially from one of the most iconic new yeah. york bands of all oh, yeah, time definitely it's great it's a great a great sophomore record. Like, it's crazy to think of that was their second album. Yeah. They had that one-two punch of, you know, the self-titled album obviously being what that is. Yeah. And then following it up with that. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it seriously is, it's kind of, um, it's hard to choose between, I think, the first two, but for me, definitely, uh, Rock to Russia is, is the better choice. I agree. And, and one of, Absolutely and agree. definitely one of the most quintessential, like, early punk rock albums. Definitely. Definitely. So my first choice for this list is an album that is um, actually going to have its, or already did have, its 25th anniversary this year, and that is Illmatic by Nas. Uh, Of course, yeah. A New York classic. Arguably, some people would say the best rap debut album of all time. I, I, I don't know if I'd agree with that. Yeah. I honestly... There's another one on this, on my list that would, you know... 
overtake yeah. it. But um, and that also would be one of mine too. And I would also say uh, "Good Kid, Mad City." I think is probably that and the other album that I'm not going to talk about yet. Um, be like maybe my two favorite debut rap albums yeah. ever. But Illmatic is is no slouch. I mean, no. it's an amazing record. Nas, actually, the best thing Nas has ever done, and oh, it's yeah. his debut album. And it's it's kind of sad. It's one of those things where he bursted onto the scene with so much potential, and I mean, it is still one of the greats. But just never, in my opinion, recaptured that magic. Right. Never put out a record that is as essential as Illmatic is, and it's just it's great. Just front to back. I believe there's there's only ten tracks on that album to so just airtight quick listen does what it needs to do but is you know absolutely essential and it's just a phenomenal phenomenal record yeah um so my next one and i actually didn't i didn't put nas on on my list but i do love that is a great album and i i don't uh, fault you for putting it on there uh my next one is the strokes room on fire which, Great choice. Uh, I think you might have a, another one of their albums. Oh there, yeah. probably. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, it's kind of it's similar to the Ramones, where it's like their first two albums were really, really stellar. It really kind of I feel like it just kind of depends on which one you you took to first, or maybe just you know listen to more. Mm-hmm. Um, Room on Fire, as much as is this it is, uh, you know, a ten out of ten record. I, for some reason, Room on Fire is always been my go-to for The Strokes. And Absolutely. The Strokes are, you know, one of my favorite bands, if not my favorite band of all time. And um, it's really, a lot of that comes from Is This It and Room on Fire era Strokes. Um, and Room on Fire, I just, you know, I think my the first ever Strokes song I think I heard was Reptilia. Mm-hmm. And that song is just so sticky. Absolutely. And really, there is so, so many great tracks on here. Um, I really love Under Control. I think that's one of their best ones. It's an amazing song. Uh, really kind of like a, a, you know, mellower song and, and much slower song uh, than they were putting out back then. Um, yeah, I, I, I really think Room on Fire is, is the best I can get from The Strokes. I always felt that The End Has No End is a deeply underrated song yeah. that's from that album. Yeah, I think there's a lot on here. 1251, Automatic Stop. Great like, tracks. Really, really great stuff. Um, Whatever Happened To at the beginning, mm-hmm. that's an amazing intro yeah. to that album. What, yeah, seriously, this is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Absolutely. And, and a really great New York album. I was going to save it for later in the episode, but you know what? I'm just going to I'm just gonna roll with it. My next choice is Is This yeah. It by The Strokes, of course. which is... Without a doubt, a top ten favorite album mm-hmm. of all time. It's a Desert yeah. Island album for me. Yeah. Um, that is, The Strokes in general are one of the first bands I ever got into. Same. Is This It was one of the first albums I ever bought. Um, I vividly remember like when that came out. I mean, I was far too young and not really that interested in music at the time because I was probably like it's two thousand one, so I was probably like six. Mm-hmm. Um, I vividly, vividly remember seeing them on MTV. Like, my brother just had it on in the background or something, and, like, seeing them and hearing them play last night and just that song just being <laughs> everywhere around that time. Yep. Um, and it just always stuck with me. And then when I got older and, you know, grew a deep love of music, I mean, it just was like, yeah, I'm going to check them out, see what this album is like. And it's... It's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. There's just it's just such a quintessential album of that era, and it's just a such a quintessential rock album of 
you know, just the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best rock album of the 2000s, in all honesty. Yeah, definitely up there for sure. Um, just like straight up, you know, rock and roll, garage rock. I mean... And one of the best debut albums of all time. Without a doubt. Definitely. I mean, Alone Together, hard to explain, the title track, which yeah. maybe has the greatest bass line of all time. <laughs> it's just front yeah. to back a classic. I I love that album to death. And yeah. yeah like like so I said, good. I'd also, like, I think Is This It is a, a 10 out of 10. I Absolutely. think both of these albums are 10 out of 10s. And, and really they, they almost could be just like a continuation of the other, you know, like mm-hmm. if you put both these albums together, it would, it would work as one big cohesive album. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, I, I think it really just comes down to whichever one you have personally you know, become more attuned to, so. Definitely. Yeah, both fantastic albums. I'm glad we, we both chose chose one of those. Absolutely. So what's um, your third choice, Michael? My next one, and this we might have a, a similar situation as we did with The Strokes, uh, I'm going with Vampire Weekend's Modern Vampires of the City. I knew um, you were going to pick that one. I, I've been <laughs> thinking in my head, like, what albums you were going to pick, and you've... So far, you've yeah. crossed off two. That I was, or actually, no, three. All three, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the rest might be more uh, surprising. Okay. Uh, but those three, for sure, I knew you would, you would know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Vampire Weekend, another one of my favorite bands. Probably, probably my favorite current band. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, still putting out music. Uh, you know, obviously, the Strokes still do make music, but is it as good as it used to be? Uh, um... Yeah, I think Vampire Weekend at their best is on Modern Vampires of the City. I think that album has some really great, really, I, I think that album just has great tracks all the way through, and it's yeah. really such a unique album, um, really took their, it, it, it's similar to their previous records, but it has like such a grander scope. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think for me personally, that is that is their best work. Um, and then it's funny, I, I didn't even like, uh, I think the first track that came out of it, the first single was Diane Young. Yeah. And I remember just not liking that song when it first came out. And just after a while, it really started to grow, grow on me. It was that and Step, I believe, came out at the same time. Yeah, that's right. They put both those songs And I remember, up. I remember really liking Step at first and Diane Young just like, just not being right. And mm. then just the more I listen to it, I can't get enough of that song. And it is kind of jarring, especially it being with all the auto-tune experimentation yeah. on that track, which is not really something that they played around with mm-hmm. before. And, yeah, and I think just like going back to that song, that song is a, is it's uh, it's honestly awesome. Um, Unbelievers is a great one. Uh, Obvious Bicycle, I think, is a really sweet uh, tune at the beginning. Yeah. Um, even like I like something like um, Young Lion at the end is a really nice, sweet track to to uh, go out on. Definitely. It's uh yeah, it's one of my favorite albums of the past ten years. Uh, uh, honestly. Yeah. And, um, my favorite Vampire Weekend album. Yeah, 2013 was a release for that one, and they finally followed it up with Father of the Bride yeah. this past year. Yeah. It's been pretty dormant for most of the decade, unfortunately. Yeah. But, yeah. They came out with a pretty good one with uh, uh, Father of the Bride, but Absolutely. Modern Vampires is definitely my favorite from them. So. And again, I'm just going to stay on the same... Uh, same subject, I'm talking about Vampire Weekend. My choice is going to be Contra. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was going to be Contra or their self-titled. It's hard to choose. I think they're both... Well, the self-titled, I think, 
that album, it's, it's weird. It's sort of a thing where I, I think that the first Vampire Weekend album is like a 10 out of 10, just like yeah. bona fide classic. I think that that record is, it's just a classic, especially just of its era. It's just so utterly unique and just, it, it put them on the map obviously like i mean because they were just so unlike really anything else in india mm-hmm. at that time and just kind of brought their own distinct voice and you know influences that you just really didn't see in indie rock yeah. at the time but contra is just personally my favorite i just love that album i think it's just really great i think their best songs are on it in all honesty cousins mm-hmm. horchata white sky white sky was always one of my favorites just all those songs just hit me more than really anything else that they've done before. Giving up the gun, um, just great tracks. I think just like the best you know collection of tracks that they've put out. I yeah. love that album, and yeah, it's hard to choose between their records. But if I were to rank it, that would be at the top of my list for Vampire Weekend. Hell yeah, another great New York album. Yep, and. What I'm gonna choose is probably the greatest hip hop album uh, to ever come out of New York. Maybe my favorite hip hop album of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, of course, Enter the Wu Tang by the Wu Tang Clan. You know what? Let's just uh, yeah, let's I'm not sure even cut around. That's right. on my list too. Let's yeah. just have a, a little power uh, about it. Enter the Wu Tang Appreciation Fest right now for the next couple minutes. <laughs> I I seriously think I don't think there's a better al- like hip hop album than than Enter the Wu Tang. It's it's just utterly iconic. It's again talking about albums that are so just revolutionary for mm-hmm. their time and you know just paved the way for so much. Like frankly a lot of the records that we've addressed so far in this list. I mean Enter the Wu-Tang changed hip hop forever. Oh yeah. Like the heavy sample work and RZA's whole style and everything. Mm-hmm. Um it's just all the it, it's such a quirky weird album with all the um, all the samples from old 70s, uh, you know, Hong Kong yep. film and everything. and Kind of one of the um, first times that you get rap artists sort of embracing nerd culture, right. via comic books, films, mm-hmm. which is something that you definitely see artists like MF Doom um, kind of run full force right. with that, literally basing his entire persona on, like, being a, a comic book character, mm-hmm. but he's a rapper. I feel like you really wouldn't have even had that if it wasn't for the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, probably not, really. Uh, I mean, granted, Styles, obviously, com- well, not too, too different, because they're both firmly rooted in old-school hip-hop, and a uh, rapper like MF Doom has even collaborated with Ghostface Killa yeah. and numerous projects, but still, really paved the way for that and a lot of other artists in hip-hop who have kind of embraced that that ethos and like mm-hmm. you know just those influences and what they're talking about and it's great yeah i just you know the wu-tang are, were at their best with this album mm-hmm. obviously every single one of them every member and there's so many of them and they're all so great and like sound distinct from one another and there's just so many great tracks on here. Can it be also simple? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Method Man song, like that is Cream, a huge obviously. Um, yeah, swinging through town like a neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so so um, hilarious and just great. And the other thing about the Wu Tang Clan is also the fact that they brought just such a punk rock energy to rap, which mm-hmm. is really something that was kind of unheard of at yeah. that time. It was you know just. 
basically, if it wasn't just, you know, kind of your standard hip-hop fare, it'd be something that'd be maybe more in line with, like, disco music or, you know, just, like, dance music at the time. Like, they really embraced a punk rock ethos. Yeah. I mean, that is something that is severely felt in, like, pretty much all popular trap now, Mm -hmm. which is definitely, you know, there's a lot of credit and respects that should be paid to Wu-Tang Clan for, you know, bringing that and making that such a popular thing in hip-hop. Definitely. Um, and yeah, just, just, you know, speaking more on this album, just how, you know, it, it brought us, you know, some of the most influential and greatest, like, hip-hop artists and, like, albums following this one, mm-hmm. you know, with, like, uh, Rizzo's Output and Ghostface Killa and, like, all of them, like... Absolutely. Old Dirty yeah. Bastard, you can't... You gotta acknowledge old it yeah. be. Yeah. I mean, my God... What a what a fantastic album and seriously I could throw it on any time and just it's it's a really great one. Absolutely. It's such a good album. Absolutely. What's another choice you got, Michael? Oh right, since we both picked that one. Um I'm gonna go with Interpol's Turn on the Bright Lights. Yet again. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I knew that one would be on yours too. Um A lot of overlap on this. Yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. I mean that... we we have some similar tastes, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah. I, I can't even begin to describe, like, how important this album is to me. I This is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's yeah. potentially, like, in my top five, maybe. Like, wow. I really love this record quite a bit. I think front to back that it is just one of the most perfect post-punk albums ever made. Um, Obstacle One, Say Hello to the Angels. Like, it's just a... It's, those are just, that is exactly what I want out of a post-punk mm-hmm. band. I think just the, just their entire style, their playing, everything on it is just so airtight. The writing on it is so good. It's just a bona fide classic. Yeah. I absolutely love that album. I was, I was going to say, it's such a sleekly produced album. It just sounds front to back, just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, like Obstacle One and and songs like PDA, like there's some really great great tracks on that album. It's almost like the kind of darker, you know, more moody version of Is This It? Sure. The yeah. In terms of just like New York rock albums from that era, and it's it just supplies the same level of just amazing songwriting and just memorable mm-hmm. tracks all the way through. Yeah. Absolutely love it. The, one of my favorite albums of all time, without a doubt. I'm glad we're coming together on so much of this stuff. I know. It's pretty funny. I actually kind of expected us to have like pretty different picks for this, but it's all been pretty pretty similar. Pretty similar. Um, I'm interested in maybe seeing what, what you'll think of my next one. Um, I'm picking Chairlift's album Something. Awesome. Um, which is their second LP. Um, yeah, I think... I'm a, I'm a fan of Chairlift, um... But I think something is definitely their best album. Oh, definitely. Um, I just some so many great songs on that one. Um, Eminem Amnesia, which is such Absolutely. a one, honestly, just so fun to say, and just just a great, awesome, fun track. Um, yeah, uh, Chairlift is something that's really dearly missed for yeah. me. We were at one of their last shows. Yeah, literally, like, literally one of their last shows. And I know Carolyn Polachek actually just put out a new album the other day. Yeah, Pang. Uh, I've got to listen to it. I listened to it. To check it's, it out. It's good. It is very chairlift-like, but it do, it is kind of missing 
some more of the quirkiness that the chairlift album and and uh Patrick Wembley is that his name yeah his, his kind of style brought to it but um yeah, something by Chairlift is a, is another one of one of my uh, favorite albums from New York. That's awesome. That's that's definitely one I was expecting to be on your list. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna shift gears completely yeah. and uh, address a group that I feel is severely under like underappreciated mm-hmm. and overlooked from this decade, and they put out one of my favorite debuts. Of I think I know this who decade. it is. I think I know who really? it is. Really? Sunflower uh, Bean. No, actually, oh, no. Okay. This this is falling more back into hip hop okay, and, and okay, rap. Okay. And um, this album, this I'm talking about, "So It Goes" by Rat King. Uh, okay. Rat King was this experiment that I, they're unfortunately no longer around, but they were this experimental hip hop group from NYC. My first true exposure to them actually was when I went to go see Run the Jewels for the first time, and they were the opener, mm-hmm. and that was. One of the greatest shows I've ever seen was wow. Racking. I better than Run the Jewels. Actually, yeah. Wow. It it was just so Racking was this rapper Wiki who is still doing stuff. He's kind of you know just doing his own solo thing now since Racking split up, and this producer called Sporting Life, and it just hits this mark of just you know paying homage to you know old school hip hop from the 90s like Wu-Tang Clan but just bringing a lot of you know modern elements artists like you know say someone like King Cruel who even appears on one of the tracks on this album mm-hmm. um Mad Lib Earl Sweatshirt kind of like borrowing a lot from a lot of contemporary artists and melding those two worlds in such an amazing and intoxicating way um yeah whenever I make a list of my favorite albums of the 2010s decade this is that absolutely going to be on it wow. i think it's so incredible it's um that it's just one of the most dynamic and just interesting rap albums um of the 2010s and i really love it awesome. and it's just yeah i can't get enough of it that and the ep that they put out before i think are just so great and are just like such a perfect example of what's going on in New York hip-hop now, even still, because um, it, it definitely left, like, a huge influence on a lot of artists that are still, you know, or maybe just emerging now, or, or you know, putting out work now, so, yeah, yeah so it goes by racking, I, I love it, that album deserves way more attention than it's gotten, <laughs> so good. That's awesome. Uh, my next one, I'm taking it way back. We're going to do Simon and Garfunkel's The Sounds of Silence. Nice. Um, seriously, in terms of probably like, you know, 60s folk rock, this is probably my favorite um, folk rock album, I guess. Um, yeah, Simon and Garfunkel, I, you can't like escape The Sound of Silence, right? Like that's such a well-known song that just plays everywhere. Absolutely. Um, and then just this whole album overall is just... Such great writing, really good, um, you know, instrumental, and you know, they really Simon and Garfunkel at their best. Absolutely, uh, with Sound of Silence. Um, Even if you don't know that song, that well, like literally everybody knows the opening, the Hollow Darkness. <laughs> yeah, right, friend. right. It's such a, it's a meme now. <laughs> pretty much, but yeah, it's just such a part of you know the popular lexicon. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody knows it super iconic mm-hmm. also you know Simon Garfunkel soundtrack from one of my favorite movies of all time The Graduate yeah. like 
Very important duo. Oh absolutely. yeah. And and this I I would say is probably their best work. Um, and they yeah, just a great album front to back for sure. Absolutely. Next choice, gonna take it back also. Um, not as far, but you know, still pretty far back. I'd be remiss if I did not bring up the Talking Heads on this list. Of course, of course. More songs about buildings and food, which is not only my favorite album by them, but probably the most New York album that they've <laughs> ever made. Um, it's just a bunch of tracks about, you know, being involved in the art scene in New York in the 70s, and it's just so great. It's just such a... You can see where a band like, say, Vampire Weekend like really pulled like a lot of influence sure. from them on this album just in like the things that they talk about and you know just stylistically too um and just so many so many great tracks on it just probably their catchiest material and then like most immediate and i think that's why I, i'm like while i will say like an album like remain in light is better this is definitely just one that um, it's just sort of like a comfort album to me. I can just like throw it on at any time and am always just super engaged with it every time I hear it. Yeah. And one of my favorite bands of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one might be a little surprising. Um, I'm going with one... Uh, I'm going with a Bob Dylan album. Nice. And it might not be one that people would expect. It's an early one, uh, but I'm going with another side of Bob Dylan. Hell yeah. Um, you it's know, a great pick. That's yeah, there, awesome. there, there's a lot of there's a lot of ones that you could pick from Bob Dylan, right? Um, but I wanted to to just point out this one. It might not even be my favorite, but I, I really just have a, a soft spot for this album. Um, you know, coming off of something like Times They Are Changing, which was like very political and, um, you know, politically driven and everything. And, and um, I, I just think Another Side of Bob Dylan is a really fun kind of like, you know, more lighthearted album. Yeah. Um, you know, some really great tracks like All I Really Want to Do and It Ain't Me Babe, you know, like really quintessential tracks. Um, one that I, I always love is, um, and if you know it, Motorcycle Nightmare, mm -hmm. where he's just like talking about, you know, fucking the farmer's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> just like, it, it's such a really fun album. Uh, and you know, in terms of like folk rock back then, like, you know, Bob Dylan was, was obviously like, you know, the best of the best, um, and doing a, a lot in terms of you know, real political and, you know, songs with messages, but I, I think another side of Bob Dylan is just a, a fun, lighthearted, uh, you know, just a good album. It's a really That's good great. album. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that Dylan got some representation on yeah. this. He, uh... None from you? Unfortunately not. Yeah. Um, but, like, again, it's just, like, one of those things where it's just, like, there's just so many to pick. Yeah. And I wanted to have, like, a, as diverse of a list as possible, but he's still been addressed. Yeah. And I, if I were to shout out one Bob Dylan record on this list, I'd probably go with, um, probably go with Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, is, would you say that's probably the quintessential one? Like, that's like, either like, that, that a bunch. That, either that or Highway 61 Revisited. Yeah. But I think Blonde on Blonde is kind of more, what you're looking like for. Like, more of a classic in my yeah. opinion, just a better record all the way yeah. around. So I'm definitely throwing a, a Bob shout out. Yeah, definitely. Shout out. My next choice is LCD Sound System, Sound of Silver. Of course, of course. One of, again, this is another one that can be thrown into my favorite records of all time, Camp. Just a great dance record about an aging New York City hipster. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing. All my friends, someone great, get innocuous. Like, the amount of just incredible 
just fun, well-written, well-performed tracks on this. It's great. James Murphy's, you know, just long diatribes that he goes on, which, I mean, basically almost fall in spoken word mm-hmm. in terms of his, like, you know, vocal delivery and style. Um, not only just of this album, but LCD Sound System as a whole is something that I've always just found just super funny and just very entertaining and he's just at the peak of his powers on this album really love sound of silver it's definitely a 2000s classic and something that absolutely needs to be heard especially if you're into post-punk if you're into you know just anything of that style and even like you know post-punk music of the 70s 80s which Mm -hmm. lcd sound system so cribs from and just wears those influences on their sleeve so much it's you'll love it if you've never heard it before and yeah all-time favorite of mine. I love that record. Um, I'm hoping my next one is a big surprise. Um, and not one... Actually, one that I, I really didn't even think that they were New York-based. Um, but I'm going with They Might Be Giants' oh, self-titled yeah. debut. Excellent. Um, I And I it's funny, I was actually listening to this. Uh, just last week, I like got back into They Might Be Giants and listening to like Flood and, and uh, Lincoln and, and their self-titled debut and I think this is their best for me I think uh, They Might Be Giants is a you know a really fun band and they've had like such a long you know long run in discography but it doesn't still putting, get still putting out music yeah. to this day they yeah. never stop and it's great it's, it's crazy I hope they never do and through their like you know the 2000s I, I, don't, I don't think they still do it but like you know making children's music and stuff like that and, and their like resurgence with that um, but for me, their debut is like their best work and such a fun album. Absolutely. Um, just one of the most unique out there, crazy, you know, like kind of indie rock albums I can think of. Just Definitely. like in terms of like, not like in terms of what the music sounds like, but what the songs are about. You yeah. Know? Like, um, you know, obviously, well. I was going to say, it's like really ahead of its time, yeah. too. Yeah. And just like, what their whole you know ethos was and just like their style in general mm-hmm. like i feel like that would almost be something that would come about more recently right than, you know in the early to mid 80s yeah you're right it is like something i would believe coming out in like 2011 or something and not 1986 yeah like um you know don't let start is a uh, really such a phenomenal single mm-hmm. um but then like just songs like i'm looking here like put your hand inside the puppet head oh, and just yeah. like hideaway folk family these songs that are just so weird and out there um but just such a fun album and really well written and funny and uh well performed it's it's a really great album that still holds up absolutely so glad you brought them up too yeah it's great. Great to go. I actually, yeah, I didn't even know they were from New York. Brooklyn. Brooklyn based. Hey, that's where I'm going to be. Yeah. We've all run into them. <laughs> um, my next choice, speaking of debuts, is the debut by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, Fever to Tell. Yeah. What, again, like that that era of garage rock, post-punk, early 2000s, New York. 2000s yeah. New York, and the fact that it all came from the same era, like area, is just mind-boggling to me. I mean, mm-hmm. contemporaries to, you know, Interpol and The Strokes. Just Fever to Tell is just such a great, just grimy album. It's almost kind of hard to believe whenever I hear it that it was released on Interscope Records back in 2003 because it just has all the feeling of something that would have been put out on a a much, you know, more indie label. Right. And just has all the integrity and just, you know, 
all of the what you would expect from like a garage rock riot girl album like that just completely intact yeah and you know who doesn't know a track like maps absolutely iconic classic yep. ballad but i mean day with the night uh pin just so many amazing just ragers on that album i never get tired of it i love it so much and yeah without a doubt one of my favorite new york albums it's yeah. so so good and uh I, I like again that's another example of like I do enjoy pretty much the entire discography of the AAS, but I don't think they've ever really surpassed that mark. That album is just, that's the best thing they've ever done, hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. We're it's down good, to one. Good album. Yeah. One I, more choice. I'm kind of surprised that, there's, there's a few uh, artists I'm surprised haven't come up in your list, but I'm wondering if maybe my next one is one of yours. Um, and I'm going to go with one that it's, it's not my favorite by them, but I wanted to give a shout out, uh, to, we got it from here. Thank you for your service by Tribe Called Quest. Oh yeah. Um, just because, you know, like everyone knows obviously like their first few re records are like quintessential, you know, just like something like Wu-Tang's Under the Chin, or, uh, Under the Wu-Tang, um, I, it's really great that a, a Tribe Called Quest was able to come back after like all those years and put on an album like uh, posthumous to um, uh, which one? Uh, um, Five Dog. Five Dog, right? Um, to Five Dog's passing, and able to put out a, an album that is you know really really damn good. Absolutely. Uh, with a great list of uh, features on it, and some really great songs, and um, really current and and politically relevant. And yeah, it's 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 a really special record. It is. One of the things that I love most about that record, not only just being, I mean, I I love a tribe called Quest, huge fan. Um, not only just in the sense that I love that this record that they came back with after being away for all close to twenty years, I think. Right. Um, it's I love that it's basically like a passing of the torch. So they came back at like you know, still at the height of their prowess, yeah. but they have people like Kendrick, and they have people like, isn't it Anderson Pack? Anderson Pack, and... Andre 3000, uh, J. Cole yep. on that record. It, it's just this, it's a celebration of hip-hop as a whole, and I really love that. And not only that, but it just uh, tribes salon song at the same yeah. time. And what a better way to go out. I'm glad that that was on there. I'm yeah. glad that it was on your list. I wanted like, to give a shout-out to it, yeah. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, no, and that, that's also, I'm sad I wasn't able to include them, but uh, it's just a testament to just, like, it's it's kind of crazy. How much great music has come out of New York, right? Exactly. Like, it'd be borderline impossible to address everything, because it's just, there's just way too much. Um, to my last pick, and this is also my second favorite album ever made, is mm -hmm. White Light, White Heat by The Velvet Underground. Okay. Wow. The most important New York band, in my opinion, yeah. and the most important—I would say one of the most important rock records ever made. If it wasn't for White Light, White Heat, like I don't think the genre of indie rock would even exist, and all of the you know just different subgenres that lie within it, because mm -hmm. it is just. I don't think punk rock would exist if it wasn't for this album. Like, it is it is one of the most forward-thinking, still to this day, and I believe this album came out in 1966, mm -hmm. um, 
rock records ever made. It is noisy, abrasive, it's psychotic, it's incredible how they went from, you know, with their last album, Velvet Underground and Nico, this, you know, Bob Dylan-esque, backed by Andy Warhol, you know, just rock band, uh, such a huge part of, like, the New York art scene in that time, and would play mainly just art galleries, to making this record that is an art piece in its own right, just because of how abrasive and noisy and just, you know, purely rock and roll it is, and I love it. I think it's, anytime I hear it, it's just, it always just floors me, because it is just... There is nothing like it, and it's. I think it's one of the most important records ever made. Like yeah. I said, sec- I am not even kidding. It's my second favorite album ever made. I love it, and yeah, just what I think of definitively of is the you know, when I think of you know the New York scene or just music from New York, that's always what comes first to my mind. Yeah. So I was waiting for them, mm-hmm. but there were others that I was waiting for too. Oh yeah, there's so many. There's a lot. There's a lot. Sonic Youth, Blondie, Beastie Boys, Beastie Boys. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot left over. This is a yeah. It was just sort of like a. I was just kind of going with like you know a very off the dome. You know, just Mm -hmm. like what this is just kind of what I think of when I think of New York albums. And there's even a lot of like contemporary and new stuff that I wanted to address, but I think. I'm happy with what I laid out there. Yeah, same here. I think it's I, a, a good representation of just a city that's brought so much important yeah. and great music. You can listen to any of these records anytime. Exactly. And just have a good time. Exactly. And I can't yeah. wait to check it out firsthand. Hell yeah. Week. It's going to be amazing. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Definitely be talking about it on the show. Give you guys mm-hmm. a recap of, you know, all the record stores I go to, what I pick up, just what I experience while I'm out there. It's, yeah. it's going to be good. It's going to be very good. Hope it's fun. Hope it's a good fun. I hope so, too. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about Zombieland. Infinite Canvas Ultra, more than just a podcast, it's also a website. A lifestyle, bro. (laughs) You can go to infinitecanvasultra.wordpress.com to find some written works from Michael and I, including my review of All My Heroes Are Cornballs by JPEG Mafia and Michael's written review for The Joker. Also coming up soon, I'm going to have an Angel Olsen review, so stay tuned, Matthew. You were asking about that. We're going to deliver. It's going to be great. It's going to be on the website and get my full thoughts on that and all of our thoughts on any upcoming projects that we see fit to talk about that just didn't happen to fit the show. InfiniteCanvasUltra.wordpress.com Finally, after 10 years, Columbus and his unlikely crew of zombie-killing, joke-spewing, apocalypse-surviving misfits have returned. Zombieland, which was once one of the most entertaining, funny, and energetic zombie films from this century, is back a whole 10 years later with the same cast, a bigger budget, and way more zombies. So, does Zombieland, double tap, live up to the reputation the first movie garnered? And while we're at it, does the original Zombieland even hold up ten years later? Why don't we start with the original Zombieland and work our way forward? Dan, is Zombieland still good in 2019? I think it's kind of average, actually. Mm. I think it's a very average movie. Um, Which is really disappointing. I expected to re-watch that film and have a kind of just, you know... I don't know. I, I expected to find it as funny as I did right. ten years ago. I expected to maybe like you know find some jokes or moments that kind of 
stood like stood out to me that maybe I didn't you know really fully appreciate from <laughs> right. when I was fourteen when that movie came out originally. And I didn't really have that. If anything, yeah. it's just sort of... It's definitely a, a case where something is diminished in my eyes as opposed yeah. to grown on me. And I'm sad about that. I don't think it's a bad movie no. by any stretch of the imagination. But it's not necessarily like all that funny or all that... Really all that memorable in all seriousness, which is kind of sad. Yeah. It's a very quick movie. I didn't remember how just how short it is. It's only like 85 minutes long. Yeah. And like you said, it isn't... It's it's crazy. I, I remember thinking Zombieland was like one of the funniest, most like... Just one of the most fun movies when, I, when it first came out. And, mm-hmm. and I remember laughing a lot and enjoying the hell out of it. And rewatching it literally the night before uh, we went and saw Zombieland Double Tap, I was kind of blown away by how, like how uh, rarely I laughed at it. Yeah. Um, it's really, it, it's definitely trying to be funny. Exactly. But it, 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 it one, it's not trying too hard to be funny. Like it, it doesn't have like that many jokes. I would say it's like just a lot of one-liners. It's it's definitely a movie where it kind of. You can sort of tell it thinks it's funnier than it is, yeah. or it has moments that are meant to be funnier to an audience, but after, you know, watching it again, it's just like, yeah, this just doesn't land. Like, nothing really yeah. lands. It didn't, it didn't hold up nearly as well as I expected. Uh, but, like, I will say, it is actually, like, still a pretty damn good zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the zombie violence and the world that they build is pretty good. I love the characters. Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously having such a great cast with, like, Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone... Um, Abigail Breslin, and at it's that like, time, that wasn't really that big of a it's deal. Fun, it's honesty. crazy, right? Like, Whereas now, this cast is that's a pretty big deal. Right. I mean, obviously, Woody Harrelson has always had. Right. You know, he's always been. He Woody would have Harrelson. been like your star power then. Yes. Now he's like, I would say it's he's Emma probably Stone. like third probably billing, the biggest, maybe biggest name. Oh yeah, Emma that. Stone for sure. And, I would maybe even put Jesse Eisenberg over Woody Harrelson today. And I also think that Woody Harrelson at that point in his career, when that came out, I don't think is as I don't think he was at a point in his career where he was like as respected as yeah. he maybe once was like it was kind of like a little bit of like a lull in his mm-hmm. career where he's still a big name but I feel like 10 years later now that's he's a bit bigger and has been in more things that people recognize him yeah. from and he's more he's he's gotten that household name status yeah. back. Zombieland was maybe like the reconnaissance for Woody Harrelson. Sure. Kind of like the beginning of that and then like True Detective, True Detective. and uh, Three Billboards. Exactly. Like, he's become a really respected actor and it's it's kind of crazy to me that they were able to get all of them back for Zombieland 2. And I'm sure, like, that movie has been baking for 10 years. Like, they've been trying to make this movie since the first one came out, since it was such a success. Right. Um, I wonder, like, how much of it was just, like, inability to get the actors to do it. Um, that, and I know that the a lot of the... Like creators behind yeah. the first movie, they tried to make a Amazon TV right. show. Yeah, that was awful. Which they were kind of banking on that being the way that this this world continued, mm-hmm. and then that just blew up in flames. That Amazon show was god awful. Yeah. Have you ever seen the pilot? I have. Oh yeah. my god, it's that is terrible. just so bad. Um, 
But yeah, going back to just like Zombieland One, like it is still a fun movie. I still enjoyed it. Like, Absolutely. I definitely wouldn't. I would definitely would say like it's still a good movie. And I wonder if it would be better if I were thirteen again, seeing it for Maybe. the first, you know, like seeing it today. Because I think um, that movie definitely relies on that, and it almost feels like it's a movie kind of made for that audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's just it's you're you're taking you know at the time zombies, which was such a hot thing. Yeah. And, you know, you're taking humor that is kind of... If you're watching that as a 13, 14-year-old, it's like, oh, you got the Jesse Eisenberg character who's just like, oh, he's a he's a lunar college guy. Yeah. yeah, and like, you know, he's just kind of... He's awkward. And yeah. And he, you know, is facing zombies. And it's just like, it's... I feel like it's a bit more relatable at that mm-hmm. time. And sure, yeah. Saving, you know, discussion about Zombieland 2, I feel like they really... Everything grows up a bit more in a really mm-hmm. good way. Yeah. But with this first one, it's just like, it definitely... It is sort of a thing where it is... It probably was better back oh, yeah, then. And definitely. watching it now, it just... The charm is kind of like been lost on me a little bit it also definitely feels like a 2009 movie so <laughs> much so like especially it, with you know just some of the song choices in the movie yeah. that pop up um the whole like you know i'm, I'm blanking what, what was woody harrelson's catchphrase like time to know not, up, not up, up like it's such a oh god it's very it's like cringy today i really think but like definitely if you're a kid in who 2009 13, a freshman I was probably in high school or in eighth grade you're like <laughs> yeah <laughs> right cool like um, it's it hasn't it, it's not really aged all that well yeah unfortunately yeah um but i mean the first one Obviously, the standout, and we talked about this before, like, the Bill Murray section Absolutely. of that movie still stands up. It's still a lot of fun. It's still crazy to see Bill Murray in that movie. That's the one moment in that movie where I bursted out laughing yeah. rewatching it, just when he's shot, and then his whole <laughs> thing about, like, his main regret being Garfield, Garfield. is just so it's, funny. It's really great. It's great. And the lead-up to that, too, where he explains that he just was posing to be a zombie just so he could survive and you know he's wearing the wig and everything Mm -hmm. it's great it's so good it's the best moment in that entire movie and it's so it's so unique and so creative to like do that i i would Mm -hmm. love to know the background of that scene like absolutely i wonder if it was was it something they wrote specifically for him was it something like they were cooking around because like they just want to get any actor they could, and somehow they landed on Bill Murray. Like, I, I want to know, like, what the the story behind that scene is. Um, Definitely. But it still holds up. It really and, does. And it really is. It's so great. Um, but, yeah. And, and I think, like, the, the ending of the movie is thrilling. I think the... the um, the theme park section is actually pretty great. Definitely. Um, like I said, the movie has, like, really good zombie violence. Like, there's a lot of good kills in it and, like, a lot of good gore and uh, gore effects and everything. Um, but again, like, it just wasn't as funny as I expected. Mm-hmm. And it goes by so quick, it almost feels like the mo- there's not much to the movie at all. No. Um, <laughs> like, it feels like what would be maybe a... I mean, I feel like by today's standards, I could very well see that being, you know, a pilot for a TV, a TV show, show right. like it's like on Netflix or something, you have this hour and change yeah. long pilot that sets up the rest of the series. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny how they have elements like zombie kill of the week and stuff like that, which were all things that were made 
because they wanted this to be a TV yeah. show, and it's just weirdly in a movie. It's just, it's very strange. That stuff is so weird. It's, it really is. It is. Like, it's very, like, just the entire, you know, process behind this show and, like, what the creator's intents were behind it. It's just so weird. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's played out since then is just very strange. Yeah. There's, like, really nothing like that that I could think of where, you know, they have this intent of making it one way and then it just completely derails in the yeah. way it did. I, I do still like the conceit of uh, Tallahassee's character wanting to just find the Twinkies. I still think it's that's great. pretty fun. It's so um, great. And the snow, I think the snowball scene is really good. I when they come across scene. the hostess truck with all the snowballs so funny. in it. And then, um, and then when Columbus, you know, he's just like, oh, snowballs. And right, he's right. Like, he eats no, one, he grabs like, another you know, one for later. That's you a, want any? Like, it's it's funny. That's a very funny there, moment. There are, it still holds up well enough, I think. I think it is still somewhat funny enough, but like like we've been saying, it, it, Zombieland 1 just doesn't hold up as well as it once did. It doesn't. And it's sad. Um... But uh, unless you had more to, to say about it. I really don't. I mean, that's the other thing, too, with this movie is that it's not very... It, it's, like, just so bare bones. Yeah. Like, there's, like, really not that much you can even, like, pick out of it in terms of reviewing it other than it's it's a good time. It's got some good action sequences. Yeah. I will also say I forgot, like, how it's kind of shitty looking, but I do enjoy the title cards and yeah. like sequence to this movie yeah. like where you like you know see what life is like now with zombies having taken you know with taking the, over and, yeah and That's like that fun, yeah. it works very well not the greatest looking and i want to say this movie was released in 3d when really? it came out and it's like mm-hmm. pretty obvious that they were going with that whole yeah. thing of like you know doing there was a bunch Title of credits 3D, that are like flying at yeah, you. effects and like here's like a zombie spitting out blood and mm-hmm. it's like coming out at you and it definitely has that all over it, which is kind of again like does this is not age it very well. It. it dates it a lot, but um, it's an enjoyable watch. Yeah, um, I mean, I I will also say I love like speaking to like kind of the title credits and but how they also put in like the rules into the background mm-hmm. of a lot of shots. I think that's kind of fun. Definitely uh, still holds up pretty well. Um, and yeah, the ending, like I said, the the, fi- the finale uh, is a really fun time. I love that scene with um, where Woody Harrelson's like stuck in the um, like one of the carnival games, and he closes yeah. all the shutters. And oh, it's great! And it's like all in slow motion, and it's like this scene where it's like cutting between all the characters, and like they're all in like these awful predicaments. But just like that that scene with Woody Harrelson is su- such a standout, where he's like he has like the the. Uh, his like pistols magazines on the counter and he's like slamming them down on them and like shooting the zombies and there's a great overhead shot um of all the zombies surrounding it and like the the gun smoke coming through the 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 shutters Mm -hmm. and it's a really really nice looking movie actually and Um, if it was supposed to be a death for that character that would have been great i mean oh if if it was was, that would have been great that would have been a great way to see him off i'm glad they didn't because i really like tallahassee i think it's a great character and Obviously, sequels were on the mind for yeah. this, so you couldn't do that. But I mean, I like that too about that that it kind of makes you think that this is going to be the the end of his character. Mm-hmm. But it's they do not. A, they really do a great job of of honestly setting up all the characters that kind of die. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely his character like the most. Um, he, it just seemed like it would fit him the most, you know, with, like his situation. And I actually really liked. 
I kind of forgot about the story with like him and his son. Mm-hmm. Um, that little plot line, I think that is actually like pretty well done. And how like at first it's like the puppy, and I li- I like that yeah. scene where like it shows him with the puppy. Exactly. And then like later on, you see him with like it. It clicks in, and it's his son. You realize um, he's just like making that up, just yeah. because he can't really like deal with you know the fact that he lost his yeah. child. It's it's great. Zombieland Zombieland is still good, it but is. it's not as great as it used to be. Definitely, yeah. On the, it's funny on the poster here it says nut up or shut up right on the poster oh, so, um, they were really banking on that uh, back then but hoping um, to sell some t-shirts for sure oh yeah but um that brings us well uh, let's let's score it let's let, what would you give a score for Zombieland I think I'd give Zombieland a six and a half out of ten yeah I think I'd go a seven yeah I think I think it's good uh, it just doesn't hold up as well as I remember it being. Um, like back then I probably would have given it like a nine, you know, like just loved that movie to death, but I think it's good, but I just don't think it really has enough substance to it, unfortunately, yeah. to like really be something that I would want to like award it with a score higher, you sure. know, like That's it's fair. just, it's, it's good. I enjoy it. I enjoy it for what it is, but I don't really think it's anything, you know, it's nothing that great yeah. at the end of the day, unfortunately. Yeah. And I, I agree, yeah. I think, like, if you were to have asked me, you know, ten years ago, I probably would have given it, like, an eight. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, it's definitely diminished a bit. Which is what's so surprising about Zombieland Double Tap. Yeah. Zombieland Double Tap is... It is as good, if not better, than the original. I think it's definitely better. Yeah. And going back to, like, how, like, I felt like there was... The first Zombieland was sort of devoid of, of laughs. I was laughing like yeah. the majority of this movie and so was our crowd by the way mm-hmm. the crowd we was eating us up. the crowd that was in the theater when we saw this they were so into yeah. it and i think that's wonderful like yeah. it's just great that this has amassed that level of a cult following that they're there opening night probably the first screening of mm-hmm. that yeah, movie it was it was at that theater at the theater that we went to and they <laughs> are just so into it and are just you know obviously enjoying you know seeing these characters yeah. again so much and are just like i'm not even kidding you think fucking arthur fleck was in the theater <laughs> like there was somebody like at the bottom of the row that was just like <laughs> really loving it like, like seriously like so loud so hard um, and just so loud at like <laughs> everything and there was even a bit i don't know if you heard there was this girl behind us there was some scene and then this person was laughing that hard and i just hear this girl go that wasn't even that funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, honestly, that girl was probably right. Because yeah. I, I think I remember that scene. It wasn't that funny. But, you know, if they were loving it. You know, they were really enjoying it. So that's awesome. Um, and like Dan said, I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought this movie was really funny. Um, it, it It's not... It's crazy because it's not different. It's not, like... It seems like it could have been made in 2010, 2011. Right? Oh, like, yeah. It, it is a direct continuation of the first movie... Um, and, like, it seems like no one skipped a beat. Like, no. Like, it's been ten years, but it seems like everyone, they, they got the same writers, they got the same director, they got the entire cast, and everyone is just as invested in it, and it's it's kind of crazy to me, especially with, like, how everyone who was involved in the first movie has become, like, so much bigger. Yeah. The writers went on to make Deadpool and Deadpool 2, the director did Venom, mm-hmm. you know, as much as, you know, say what you will about those movies, but they're yeah. huge movies, right? 
um, Jesse Eisenberg. Every <laughs> it's crazy. I love the trailers for this movie because every single actor is Academy Award nominated. Mm-hmm. And you know, ten years ago, it, that's just not the case. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg was just that guy that people mistook for Michael, Michael Sarah. So the, yeah, what two thousand nine Jesse Eisenberg? That's like pre-social network. Yep. Post. He had, oh, what was he even in back then? I don't even know. This might be that like his kind of first big thing. First exposure to him um, in general. I'm trying to think honestly. if like Adventureland was later than that, maybe. I or think maybe that was the that? same year, same year? actually. Um, but yeah, like Emma Stone was like coming off of like Superbad. That was like basically all her thing. I guess like Easy A, but like she kind of still didn't time. have like the the big name. And I think like, Easy A. I think Easy A may have came after that maybe. actually. Um, Abigail Breslin kind of just disappeared after Sunday yeah. it seems like but um, it's great to see her back and then obviously Woody Harrelson like we said has had like a, a fantastic it's like coming, late career yeah coming know? off of a career high with um, True Blood and Three and Billboards, three billboards. So. and um, it's great that they got everyone back and it's, it seriously seems like no one missed a beat yeah, um, this movie is super fun. The intro is like very reminiscent of the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. You know, they again do Metallica. And this um, time you just like full out get the main characters just going about killing zombies. It feels like sort of like reuniting. Yeah, with those characters because yeah. you just see them on the screen, just you know, just killing zombies. Yeah, good, for like, really great two montage. Or long the intro lasts. Really great montage to start this movie with just like all the zombie violence that you want, like right up front, mm-hmm. um, as they're like walking up to the White House and like it, the conceit is that they've like, I, I want to say like the conceit is that like this happens pretty uh, like like right after what the first movie ends and then like they live at the White House for a number of years basically. Right. Um, and then we pick up at the end of like their their living at the White House and. Um, yeah, the intro's great. I thought this movie was super funny. Um, it's basically, like, what the story is, is, like, um, what are the, the uh, two, Little Rock and, uh, what's Emma Stone's character? Emma Stone uh, is uh, Wichita. Uh, Wichita. Wichita and Little Rock, uh, like, basically have become bored by their life in the White House. It's just been, like, very um, monotonous and, like, you know, especially Little Rock wants to get out because, like... She's just been living with, like, all these older people. She has, like, no one uh, in her own age group. Right. And she's obviously, like, you know, around 20 years old now. So she's, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, probably wants to have sex is what I'm trying to say. For sure. But, um, so, like, it kind of ends up being, like, they leave um, without telling Tallahassee or Columbus. And, like, it's basically, like them trying to find, you know, Tallahassee and Columbus trying to find those two. Yeah. And then it turns into them trying to ultimately find Little Rock again. And it's also prompted by um, just the Eisenberg's character, Columbus, his relationship right. with Wichita has developed a bit more. Oh, yeah. He tries proposing to Wichita, but that just goes south. Wichita is yeah. afraid of the commitment, and they end up leaving her, mm-hmm. and her sister, Little Rock, and... I think it's just also like a testament to this movie and like one of the things that I think which makes this movie work so much more is just like I feel like there's just so much development with Mm -hmm. the characters that really isn't as present with the first Zombieland and I can't necessarily fault it too much because it just sort of feels like going back to again the show's I mean the show this movie's origin of just you know the intent of it maybe becoming a TV show it almost feels like the way these movies have played out 
it feels like the first one is like the pilot episode, mm-hmm. and then this is when you get later on into the series, right? And like it works on all those like same for those same reasons. It's right. just you know what you have, and then like you're seeing these characters develop and become more nuanced, and you get a lot of that in this movie, and I really really like that, and I think that really works okay. to its favor. And then you get just more genuinely funny moments and yes. better laughs out of it because of it. Yeah, I, I, I will totally agree that the um, the characters in the first movie feel like very cut and dry. Mm-hmm. And this one they actually have like good character development. Um, and then like also the side characters, which like the first movie oh, the doesn't... New, the new characters introduced in this are amazing. Yeah, like the first I movie doesn't it. have anybody basically outside of the main four and then like obviously like bill murray and like the room four of six girl which is like such a minimal part of that movie um but like zombieland double tap actually like includes i would say like what like four plus like four like main um side characters and then like a bunch of different people that they meet along the way exactly um and like really honestly like all the side characters were uh, like awesome i loved all of them yeah especially rosario dawson's nevada mm-hmm. who is basically just the counterpart to tallahassee yeah. which is great yes yeah. like a older wiser of like everybody that they're around and is like you know super badass with and... killing zombies yeah. and is just a tough badass yeah. and what a great what a perfect actress to pick for mm-hmm. that role it's so great seeing her in that yes She's love rosario dawson she's great in this movie absolutely uh, really good uh you know right alongside woody harrelson um and then also my probably my favorite uh of the new characters is madison i agree uh, i love her and it's it's so great seeing you know when she's introduced it's of course brought up the whole dumb blonde trope Mm -hmm. because we get this segment where Tallahassee and Columbus are in a mall and then they end up running into her and you know she's the very stereotypical mall girl just you know has been living at the frozen yogurt shop during the zombie apocalypse (laughs) in the freezer and it's all just established right away that you know she's dumb and she says naive things and blah 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 but it's just done so much better than, like, I feel like any other comedy that's tried to do yes. that is done. Seriously. Like, the character is legitimately funny. There's uh, one bit that I want to definitely bring up in spoilers that I thought was great mm-hmm. um, with the character. Um, actually, a couple now that I'm thinking about it. But she's just written so well and yeah. actually just really lovable and not, you know, annoying or off-putting. It's crazy because at first she was kind of annoying. Like, when they first introduced her, I was like, really annoyed by her like at first she wasn't too funny mm-hmm. and then like as it progressed like she just got progressively funnier and like the bits with her were really great like when like Woody yeah. Harrelson like is putting her uh luggage into the van and then, like he just doesn't like there are so many great bits like pertaining to her character um and props to Zoe Deutsch for playing that character so well she Definitely. like does the perfect like dumb blonde um and like you said like does it so well that she doesn't come off as uh, annoying, but comes off as, like, just super genuinely funny. Absolutely. She's such a highlight of that movie. Um, and then we get Berkeley, which was uh, Little yeah. Rock's, like, love interest in the yeah. movie. This, you know, stoner, hippie guy mm-hmm. who, you know, plays acoustic guitar and, you know, brings her to this, like... Babylon, Babylon, this, yeah. where it's this peaceful environment where you know nobody's getting killed, <laughs> and it's just like you know I, that character was thoroughly entertaining. Mm-hmm. I love what he brought to the story, and just like the whole you know dynamic of like you know Little Rock just kind of having this like 
very <laughs> vain, like, love interest <laughs> right. with him just because, like, you know, he's this, like, fake deep dude, you know, it's just, like, you know. I, I love all the bits where, like, he's, like, play, he'll, he'll like, play her music on his guitar. And yeah. he's, like, pl- I forget, like, what the song is, but he's playing a song, and she's, like, oh, did you write that? He's, like... Oh yeah, I wrote that. I think he then, plays a Bob Dylan song. I think it is a Bob Dylan song. And then he start one. he starts in on Freebird. He's like, "Oh, if you like that one, you'll <laughs> love this one. I've been working on this one. It's not finished, but it's you'll like it." And then he starts playing Freebird. It's so great. <laughs> um, yeah, super funny. And then uh, you know another obvious highlight, if anyone has seen the trailers, is the uh, basically the doppelgangers <laughs> for Columbus and Tallahassee, which is Luke Wilson and um, I don't know the other guy. Oh, uh, Thomas Milovich from oh, yes. uh, Silicon Valley. Yes, and they're literally like, you know, just total same alternate universe versions of Tallahassee and Columbus. You, like the the uh, Columbus knockoff even has like the the commandments he calls yeah. them, you know, which are the exact same thing as the rules that Jesse Eisenberg's character has. Um, and I love that scene that they they're all in, but we'll, we'll get into that with uh, spoilers, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, they I, even like look similar. They dress the same oh, yeah. way. They do just all the same <laughs> shit, but it's just these... ha- have like similar catchphrases and stuff. Yeah, and these characters, Luke Wilson is Albuquerque, and Thomas Middle is just Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's very funny. Um, it's I do I do also like love the way how they handled those characters and how they're introduced into the movie. We'll definitely get more into spoilers yeah. on that, but it's just really funny and it works. Like just everything in this in this movie works and I'm really like pleased with how it turned out. Yeah, again it's not like it's not like I still wouldn't say this is as good as like Zombieland first was when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Um but it is a super enjoyable movie. I enjoyed it better than rewatching the first one. I think it's way funnier. Uh, the acting is, you know, just as good. And uh, the story is still kind of slight. Like, it does still feel like a continuation as if it were, like, an episode of a TV show rather mm-hmm. than, like, a actual conclusion to a story or anything. Right. Um, and, like, just like the first one, it doesn't have that much going on. Like, there isn't, like, that much of, like, a interconnected plot. It's kind of, like, all these, like, smaller vignettes, I feel like, moving uh, towards, like, a, a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I, I think this movie is super fun. I liked it a hell of a lot. And it, it was honestly really surprising. I wasn't sure how this one was going to be. I was yeah. kind of expecting it to not hold up. I Honestly, after wa- re-watching Zombieland <clears> 1, <throat> I kind of expected to just be all just pretty indifferent towards yeah. this and just like like it but just not really have felt much for it this is generally something i would not at all mind watching again yeah same here not at all like i look forward to seeing it again yeah. actually because i think Definitely. it's just there's just like a lot it just it made me very happy while watching it and i really enjoyed my time watching it totally agree so what would you what would you score i'm like double tap i'm gonna give double tap I'd give it a seven and a half. And as much as that's like not too much more than the first one, like I gave the first one a seven, but I do think this is a, I I guess I hold a lot of endearment for the first one to give it a seven, but I do think this is a much better movie today. Sure. Um, But I still don't think it's like, it's not like a top tier movie of this year or anything. It's a fun movie. It's a good watch. I enjoyed it a lot, but you know. Yeah. it's, It's a good seven and a half. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Also, cool. Like I and yeah, it's a whole score higher than what I would give the original. Like I, I just think it, 
it just works so much mm-hmm. and it just I really love like how much they fleshed out this world and just the the writing on this I think is just so much stronger. I think the jokes just land so much better. I think it's just all around just a way better film. Yep. I I totally agree. So let's get into some spoilers. <clears throat> let's get into the nitty gritty of why yeah. we like this movie so much. Talk some of the best scenes. So, yeah. Um what was I what was I saying before? Um one of the scenes oh the the scene with the the doppelgangers with yeah. the flagstaff and It has a very like guest star of the week kind of <laughs> right. treatment which is great because you're seeing Luke Wilson and Thomas Middleditch and they're they're killed very quickly <laughs> yeah. in this movie but I like that about it. Like mm-hmm. I think it's very funny that you're kind of like led to believe in the trailers like they maybe be around and you'd have this whole thing where you get like you know the uh, like you know, their alternate universe sure. versions of Tallahassee and Columbus, like maybe <clears throat> being around and they like have to work together. No, not at all. They just get <laughs> infected right away yep. and then they have to get killed. But I really like that. I, I, I love it that was handled so well. That entire sequence is so great when like <laughs> they go out to kill the zombies and like I, I know like um, uh, Columbus has some kind of rule where he's like, oh, they didn't ask for help, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not good. They're going against the rules, and then like they come back in after killing the zombies, and you think everything's okay, and like high fiving, yeah, celebrating, and and it turns out that they were both fine. both actually like bit, right? And um, I love that sequence where it and it's almost done in like it, it is done in one shot, or like it, it, you know, the sequence where they find out that they're actually turning into zombies, and like they're running around this. And I love how that this whole sequence takes place in, like, the, what was it, the Heartbreak Hotel? Yeah, they're finding this Elvis Hotel, right. just abandoned. That's where um, uh, Rosario Dawson's character, character, Nevada, comes into play, because she owns this hotel, mm-hmm. she's just, like, kind of the only person there. And again, it, it's it's funny, I love the, as much as I liked the first movie for having, like, Tallahassee be obsessed with uh, Twinkies and having that be, like, his main goal, now his, like, main goal is to find... Um, uh, what's the Elvis like Graceland? Graceland yeah, to, they, to find Graceland, and he's like obsessed with Elvis, and so they end up at. Uh, they want to go to Graceland. It's just completely burned yeah. to the ground, and then they end up finding that hotel. Which I, I love the hotel. I think it's a great design. I think it's a, a really funny place to be with all the Elvis memorabilia and, and Jesse Eisenberg like wearing the the yeah. Elvis shoes. I think is a great bit. As you bring it up, speaking of like just like really great jokes and moments in the movie, that bit is so funny. Just like mainly <laughs> yeah. for just Jesse Eisenberg's delivery when he puts on the shoes, like oh, they fit perfectly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uncanny. So <laughs> and then like just Woody Harrelson's just <laughs> looking at him and just you know really pissed, pissed off, off about yeah. it. It's great. It's, it's so just such funny. an amazing moment. Um, but yeah, I love you know when they find out that they're zombies and and um, Luke Luke Wilson and the, and Thomas Milovich are like running after them and trying to attack them as zombies and it's like. It, it funnels you through the the entire, like, Heartbreak Hotel, like, almost in, like, a loop as, like, each character's fighting off these zombies, and it's really well done. Um, I, I'm sure there are, like, some really slick cuts in there, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it, it comes off as, like, one complete, sh- like, shot, like, throughout the entire hotel. And it's super well done. It's great. Um, it's a really great fight scene. And I it's a really it. great fight scene. And yeah, I and thought... just seeing everybody's involvement in it too, mm-hmm. where you get like bits of Nevada coming into play and just like you know shooting at them, yeah. and like you know trying to help them out. There's this recurring gag of uh, Columbus getting hit in the head by Tallahassee <laughs> with 
different yeah. objects, which is really great. And I, I really love the uh, the callback to the first movie where, uh, you know, Tallahassee's sitting there with the baseball bat in the first movie and, and uh, Columbus runs up and he slides under. Mm-hmm. And, and here they do the same thing, but then the zombie ends up just ducking under the hit, <laughs> like Tallahassee's hit yeah. anyways. Um, it's yeah. hilarious. I also, I also liked the idea of the zombies in this movie with like how they set up the different uh, versions of zombies. There's like the Homer, which is just like a really stupid zombie. There's the Ninja, which is like silent and deadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's these new ones called the T-800s. which are far advanced. The yeah. zombies have evolved now mm-hmm. 10 years down the road. They take like more hits. Like the double tap rule almost doesn't even like count anymore because like you have... The one part where they're shooting the zombie like 85 times and it's like clicking up the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really funny. You basically have to sever their heads. or Yeah, like, like really crush their, their head. In order to actually kill these zombies. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just, I thought this movie was super, super fun. Um, another one of my favorite scenes are when they first encounter the T-800. Yeah. In, when they're trying to get the RV. Mm-hmm. Um, which ha- also has some really great Madison moments. Uh, in there. Uh, anything that stood out to you moment-wise? Um, speaking of Madison, I really love the bit. There's just this segment where, and it's kind of before, there's a bit of a development with Madison's character where um, Tallahassee Columbus and Wichita are driving around Madison basically invents Uber in this oh, universe, right. and I love that part, <laughs> and then they all just kind of look they at her all like... all shoot it down, like, that's stupid. Yeah, get a stranger to drive you around places, <laughs> like, they're not going to murder you after right. they do it. I thought that bit was so funny. Super funny. I, I love that it, like, was Madison's idea, just <laughs> making it even funnier that she basically comes up in this universe with something that is so widely used mm-hmm. and it's it's just great i love that yeah and then you know the whole segment of her basically everybody thinking she becomes a zombie mm-hmm. and then we get the segment of you know columbus having to bring her out to the woods to basically put her down yeah. because she's you know becoming a zombie but it's just revealed that she was having a severe reaction <laughs> to eating nuts and trail yeah. mix because she has a peanut allergy <laughs> she didn't know that <laughs> that trail mix had peanuts which is another funny <laughs> little bit and I love what I love the return of her character because like so great. they cut away from that and you don't see him actually shoot her and it, you're kind of like oh is she actually dead like he didn't actually shoot her she'll come back as a zombie at some point right mm-hmm. and then like they they're driving down the highway again and they're, earlier in the movie there is this clown car the that clown they car. find and because it's like an ice cream truck I think yeah and uh, Columbus has this you know deep phobia of clowns mm-hmm. that's one of the jokes in the first movie. And, you know, he refuses to take the truck. And then, sure enough, you just see Madison just <laughs> completely fine, yep. just driving the truck, That's wanting so to hang funny. out with everybody again. It's a great moment. Yeah. So so good. I also thought the ending was really great. Again, Absolutely. like, has a really good, uh, you know, just uh, bombastic finale, just like the first movie. Genuinely tense, too. And again, a yeah. moment where you really fear for Tallahassee. And again. you kind of think, like, oh, this could be the end of this character. Yeah. And with this, I mean, I thought maybe they might go that route. Because, I mean, this, like, who knows if this is going to get a sequel in another 10 years. Like, if there's going to be a Zombieland 3. Who knows? Um, So I thought they very well could have killed him off in the predicament that he was in. But ended up making it out. And And it's fun. Again, it was, like, a a good callback, almost, to the first movie where, like, just like that scene I was talking about before where, you know, they 
it's showing like every character in their own predicament and like it's slow motion and everything and here it was like every character was together like when Mm -hmm. they're on top of that um little scaffold as they're fighting off the zombies after they like try to blow them all up um and they're all just standing up there as all the zombies are crowding around them and it's like you know the like uh the orchestral score swells up and everything you're like oh man they Someone might die here. Yeah. And then Rosario Dawson, of course, comes up with the, the monster truck. And, like, that whole part is really great where they all jump in the monster truck. and Definitely. Um, yeah. And, again, like, that last moment where, you know, Tallahassee brings all the zombies up, up this uh, um, skyscraper that they're living in in Babylon. And their whole goal is to, like, kind of jump off the roof. And Tallahassee's going to lead all the zombies up and, like, off the roof by, like, jumping and grabbing onto, like, this hook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, it was, like, this very dramatic moment of, like, oh, shit, is he going to make it? Like, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. Um, but it was great. It was a great moment, a great way to cap off the film. <laughs> I love the, the addition, like, the little stinger joke where, like, there's the Homer zombie that pops up out of nowhere and just, mm-hmm. like, falls off the top, like, chasing the butterfly or whatever. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So- Good way to call that back. Yeah. Um, and then uh, speaking of stinger moments, we have to talk about the kind of end credit scene oh, right. to this movie, which is probably the, one of the funniest moments this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the redemption for Bill Murray, where we uh, it's it's pegged like there's like a little bit of credits that yeah. you know plays, and then all of a sudden we get this voiceover from. Uh, Columbus. From Columbus, you know, talking about addressing Bill Murray and his guilt over killing him, and then it cuts to Zombieland Day Zero. Oh, but before you get to that, I also love the joke with, um, I forget, like, who they kill, but, like, um, yes. Nevada says, like, oh, it's, you, you murdered him. Yeah. And, and that, I thought that was really funny, because, like, somehow in this universe, killing a celebrity, like, you know while they're actually a zombie or, or like killing someone who isn't actually a zombie what you thought they were a zombie is now known as murraying somebody exactly it's like um, this like part of like the zombie land universe like folklore basically because yeah. like nevada is also like pissed about it because she's a bill murray fan she right. said she would she would kill whoever it was <laughs> that did it because she was angry about it which and, is super and columbus is like trying to play it off like who i don't even know who bill murray is who is that and it's, it's just it's really well done it's really funny it's a great moment. And again, yeah, back to the, the finale, you know, Columbus is like, you know, I really feel bad about what happened to Bill Murray, and I want to give him some redemption, so, like, they go back to like, ground zero, like, literally the, the outbreak yeah. you know, moment of uh, where it's, Bill Murray was during the outbreak. It's during a Garfield free press tour, where it's just the multiple scenes <laughs> of, like, Bill Murray having to answer questions about Garfield from, like, Al Roker yeah. and, like, a bunch of other journalists... And then the outbreak happens. Al Roker becomes zombified, and so, a bunch of other people. It's so funny. It's it's amazing. And, bit where, and it's just Bill Murray just killing zombies <laughs> as they like emerge in this you know this hotel or like wherever he's like doing this press. And, and he's at. doing it like so ho hum. He's just like mm-hmm. straight face the whole time, just like killing zombies left and right. And, and it's amazing. It's really funny. The bit where he just goes, "I'm afraid of no ghosts." Yeah. While he's doing that, is probably one of the funniest. Maybe the funniest moment oh, in this movie it's, so good. it's incredible it's just such a great way to another great way of like addressing that moment yeah. in the movie but just like going all out with it in such a unexpected and just hilarious way i'm i'm sad i i did actually read about this 
their creation of this scene. Apparently, it was originally supposed to be a Ghostbusters like reunion. <laughs> like they were gonna get like, cause like this movie's been baking again since like two thousand nine, and and back then all of the original Ghostbusters were still alive. Yeah, they were gonna get like all the Ghostbusters back, and it was gonna be the same scene, but wow. all of them doing like Ghostbusters like sequel or something. Oh my! And God. talking about that, and like all of them together, and then of course. Uh, sadly, Harold Ramis passed away. Right. And I I believe the other, Dan Aykroyd and, is it Dan Aykroyd in that movie? Mm-hmm. Right? And um, uh, Ernie Hudson, I believe, are both still alive. Yeah, they're still alive. But, um, yeah, so that kind of fell through. But then they were like, well, basically, like, their conceit for it was just like, well, he always talks shit about doing Garfield, <laughs> so it's probably not hard to have him make fun of Garfield, so let's do that. Which is still great. But that uh, would have been amazing if that worked out. Yeah, that would have been really sequence. cool. Yeah. Um, I also, I, another thing, just another little thing, um, when they're in the mall, which is near the beginning of the movie, you could actually see a Garfield 3 poster in yes. the mall, yes. which is such a good call-out for later. Um, Definitely. Just a n- nice little detail that they put in there. I love that too. That was really funny. Double Tap is really damn good. It's great. It's a great go see fun it. movie. Go support yeah. this movie. Just go have a great time. Perfect just horror comedy for this Halloween. Yeah. Get go yourself a big popcorn. We did. Yeah. Enjoyed a good popcorn during it. It's a really fun popcorn movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. But we're gonna take a quick break. Um, and we're gonna wrap up Infinite Canvas Ultra episode twelve with some shout outs and Q and A. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Infinite Canvas Ultra episode 12. We're closing it out like we always do with shout-outs and Q&A. Getting to that Q&A first. So last week on part one of our 1999 special, part two coming out next week, um, we did a SpongeBob retrospective, which mm-hmm. was really great, and uh, we you know recounted our favorite episodes of the series in honor of its 20th anniversary. And now we have a slew of Spongebob-related questions, all from Yesenia, a listener of the show who has given us some very great questions before in the past. You might remember her from the sending a rapper to space to communicate with aliens that are going to destroy the planet Uh questions, the Kanye questions, and now she has three Spongebob questions that I absolutely adore and am (laughs) happy to answer. Yeah. So the first question is... Fuck, Mary kill, Larry the Lobster, My Leg Guy, and Karen, Plankton's robot wife. Michael? You want me to start? Yeah. Um, do you want me to do all three, or do you want to do, like, one at a time? Like, fuck first? Let's do that, actually. Fuck first? Yeah, you go, and then I'll I'm, go. I'm gonna... I would, I would fuck Larry the Lobster. Same. I think he's obviously just the hottest one. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he's no handsome Squidward, but... Oh, uh, hottest of these three. Exactly. Sure. He's no handsome Squidward. <laughs> Um, no Sandy, but, um, <laughs> out of these three, I mean, Karen, that would be like a her situation. I don't know yeah. if I'm into that, uh, not at this point in my life. No, definitely um, not. And my leg guy, I'll get to my reasoning for him later, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so we're both we're both on the same point there. Yeah, I think we we, we will go on record that I, Daniel Fiorio, <laughs> and Michael Lane, we would fuck Larry the Lobster. Yes. I don't know that I want to, but I would. We would. Okay. Exactly. Do you want to... You do the the kill. 
So kill, um, I would kill my leg guy to put him out of his All misery. Right, we're literally on the <laughs> we're literally, we have the exact same point of view here. That is, exa- is exactly why I didn't want to do anything else with him, because... Something has happened to his leg. I don't know if he broke it. I don't know if it's severely mangled. Maybe it's honestly, been amputated and he's bleeding out. Like, honestly, all of those things have probably happened. Probably. Because that, that joke happens like 35 times throughout that show. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, I just want I want to put him out of his misery. He doesn't deserve to lose his leg that much. Exactly. Um, it's not like a kill out of spite or anything. Like, I don't... I don't wish him any harm. It's a mercy killing. It is definitely a mercy killing. He just needs to be in a better place now. Yeah. It's, it's sad, really. Yeah. It's and then, really sad. And then, of course, um, probably the most obvious choice would be to marry Karen. Absolutely. Like, she is just a good, you know, she's great to Plankton. As much as Plankton is, like, a total dick and, like, not, you know... Um, he doesn't really reciprocate her love, right? But she She's sticks a it cold out. Asshole, but she, she sticks it out. Yeah, She's great. I would marry the hell out of her. Keeps you in check. Uh, you need that yep. in a relationship. Like Karen's great. So definitely, we both would marry Karen. Definitely marry Karen. That's really funny that we have the same choices for those. But I mean, it's like, come how on. could you not? Come on, yeah. No. Someone gonna fuck the my leg guy? <laughs> no, <laughs> his legs are broken. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which Spongebob song... Okay, the next question is, which Spongebob song is the best song? Rip My Pants, Jellyfish Jam, or Sweet Victory? Easy Sweet Victory for me. You know what? I think I'm actually going to give it to Jellyfish Jam. Really? What a that banger. One, that one isn't even coming to my... Like, what? It's just them partying for like the entire night. That song just keeps playing. Right, 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 right. Okay, okay. It's a banger. It's a hot track. That is a I'm, good track, but I still think I would go with Sweet Victory. That's a or, you know, very respectable choice. That is, like, obviously it came to mind more, more quickly than the other one. I think Rip My Pants is probably the least favorite of all three of these for me. Sure. Um, I think that one, is, it's almost, like, overplayed somehow. A little bit. Um... And maybe the joke isn't as funny as I, as they think it is. But. Yeah, and I think like both examples of like those other two songs, the way it comes about is way funnier. And I <laughs> yeah. look back on it kind of more fondly more fun, because yeah. of it. So yeah, I, I definitely really love "Sweet Victory." I think that is a great track. Absolutely, it's it's amazing for sure. Mm-hmm. And then the last question from Yesenia about our good pal SpongeBob is. Could you, as you currently are mentally and physically, be allowed into the Salty Spittoon? If not, which Weenie Hut Jr. establishment would you cry in afterwards? Regular or super? I definitely could not make it into the Salty Spittoon. No, I'm like, not tough enough. For sure, I'm not tough enough. Not tough enough um, at all. I'd probably just go with Super Weenie Hut Juniors just to be safe. Yeah? Um, I feel like that would be a good safe space for me. Um, I can see that. I think, honestly... I think I would just go to regular. Regular? I think I'd be fine. Well, now, I, now I'm more sad because I'm not joined by my best bud. <laughs> well, now that, you, now that you've said that, okay. I'll, I'll go with you to Super Weenie Hut Jr. Yeah. We'll, we'll cry it out because we neither of us can eat a bowl of nails for breakfast. No, definitely not. Without any milk. No, definitely not that. Maybe with milk, but not without. Not without, definitely. Yeah, um, don't worry. I won't leave you behind. <laughs> and then we'll find those uh, those other like nerd fish. Right. Okay? <laughs> That are hanging out there. Yeah. It's geeky, uh, pimple 
uh, infested geeky guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great thank questions. you for the questions. Jesus Christ, those are like some of the most entertaining. The most, questions the we've most ever inventive had. questions we ever get. Um, yeah. So thank you for those. Keep it up, Yusenia. Please send them our way whenever you get them. And you can always reach out to us at infinitecanvasalt at gmail.com or tweet at us at icultrapod. Send us your questions. We always mm-hmm. love to take them. Yeah. And we're at the end of the show. Yeah. We have nothing left to do but give out some shout outs. What are you shouting out today? Uh, I'm going to shout out the group Clipping, who put out a really great record this week uh, called there, uh, And There Was an Addiction to Blood. It's basically a rap album, but also kind of a Halloween album at the hmm. same time. Uh, Clipping are kind of like a experimental hip-hop group. They're signed to Sub Pop. Um, David Diggs, the uh, main rapper behind um, Clipping, actually was a part blind of... spotting, right? Yep, and he also... Yeah, he's an actor. Yeah. He was in Hamilton. Uh, Clipping is his rap group. Oh. They're amazing. Basically, everything they've put out is incredible. Oh. Their last record was this album called Splendor and Misery, which was this uh, al- this album about a slave who was abducted by this like basically like computer alien race and it's him like kind of communicating with this higher form of species as the slave character and it's it's basically a play but a rap album and it's like interesting super just crazy i absolutely love clipping and yeah their new record super great just basically just an album about like you know kind of like horror-centric things, murders, stuff like that. It's like done in a very, like instrumental-wise, it's like done in a kind of like Carpenter-esque kind of way in terms of like production, bits of like noise elements kind of thrown into. Um, So it's a pretty abrasive record, but it's like pretty chilling and haunting at the same time, and it's it's great. It's like... It's great, like, you know, um, you know, just having this, like, all, already just this, like, great rap group kind of do this kind of, like, sort of, like, interesting idea where they make, like, a Halloween album, and it's done to the level that it's it's executed. Like, it's just a great record That's awesome. in general. So, keep it up, Clipping. You guys always put out really amazing records. Sweet. And, yeah. Keep it up, David. Like, that dude is killing it on all levels. Yeah. Like, not only just, like, making really great underground rap, but, you know... You know, like you just said, like you know, getting really great acting roles yeah. too. Go so. see Blind Spotting. Go, Go watch see Blind Spotting. That movie yeah. deserved way better than it got. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like one of the best movies of that year. Definitely. Uh, my first shout out is actually going to be a pretty personal one. I'm going to give a shout out to one of our mutual friends um, and one of my oldest friends, Dan, another yes. Dan, uh, for uh, getting hitched. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, Proposing to his girlfriend. And um, really, it's been a long time in the making, and I'm really happy for him. And yeah, that's that's super awesome to see that. Uh, Some good news this week. Absolutely. Shout out to Dan and Annie. I'm very happy for them. Um, Yeah, I think I'm good on shout outs for this week. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have too much to shout out either. So. But as always, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week for episode 13. I will be, no, I won't be in New York yet, but in the next episode I will be in New York. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not actually, because we recorded this right. and, you know, I'm here, but yeah. See you next time. See everybody. you then.
Closing out this week's episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra is a track from Harvey Fox from their new album Lullabies for the Restless. This is Pictures of Herself, released from Midwest Action. She never had 